You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the legends of Runeterra. My name is Marco the Lift. I hail from outside of Pittsburgh, PA, and with me today is my uh, eternally optimistic and catastrophically creative Gibbles and Bits. Gibbles and Bits, how you doing today, bro? Good, man. Good, man. In the middle of the day, it's the sun is shining, the tank is clean, and we are on the podcast talking about Legends of Runeterra, and I am happy that we are doing so because we have quite a few new cool things in the game and i have been all over this game the past past month or so so it's it's been queued up daily for me uh i've been playing again a little bit i have this tendency to sort of you know shift back and forth a bit between this game and other games uh but the last couple of days i have been playing a decent amount and of course when there's new stuff being announced uh you know big patches that are changing up metas and stuff it's always a little bit more fun to kind of get in the Wild West. I, I'm realizing, I think, we're going to talk about this a little deeper in, that my play pattern with LOR is that I'm, I'm pretty into it for a couple of weeks before metas become solved and sort of, you know, like the Apex deck uh, is discovered. And so, you know, when uh, Evelyn and Kaisa and stuff, we first saw them come out, I was pretty into playing. I was playing a good bid. Um Really enjoying uh, Gwen quite a bit, uh, thinking that she was really quite a cool champion, played a lot of her. Um, and then, you know, when it sort of materialized, sort of like the Kaisa A-bomb uh, Demacian list, which I'm sure we'll talk about some during this episode, that sort of materialized and it, it came out. We really got to see its full potential and it was discovered. You know, I find myself sort of waning from gameplay at that point because I'm just kind of like, well... Yeah, I get it. I, I know what I'm going to be up against. I realize what's most powerful right now. I think I'm just going to take it, you know, take a step away from the game until we see something new come back to it. And I, I've sort of settled in the fact that that's kind of a good place for me. Uh, that's, that's kind of where I enjoy the game the most. I don't get burnt out on it. I don't get upset with it um, is, you know, whenever I can be in that place where I'm kind of balanced almost uh, when new stuff is coming out. But but yeah, I've, I have been playing and there's tremendous amounts of things uh, to check out. But Gibby, what have you been playing in the game? Like what deck has kind of been your jam recently? Yeah, so a lot of my time has been spent. I mean, and this is just the this has been my habit when it's whenever we do one of these Legends cast discord leagues, which we'll talk about. We might as well fold into this is I end up spending a lot of my time in the game whenever we're in. Um whenever we're in the game and we're in one of the legends cast discord league seasons, I spend a lot of time crafting decks and fine tuning and practicing um, whatever lineup I'm bringing to, uh, to the league. And well, my time has changed. It's going to, it's going to be changing <laughs> in the game uh, as of this week. Cause I, I am officially eliminated and I believe you are as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't take a single game actually. Uh, oh, wow. You know, I did not, not one game in the two weeks. Granted, I had a bye week one, week two. I lost uh, 2-0 against one trick, and day in week three, I lost 2-0 against Reverb. So, uh, now to be fair, I did try to beat Reverb with a solo Maokai Snapbinds deck. Uh, <laughs> so, maybe that wasn't the best. And my my games against uh, one trick were actually really, really good. 
um, uh, both games were like one turn either way, right? Like I needed a turn, he needed a turn, yeah. And they were really, really good back and forth games. Uh, my games against Reverb, not so much. His his, his decks may have been tuned a little bit more than uh the Snapvine deck that I had picked up off of uh, Yosti Toasty, but it was still really fun, and I got to hang out in his stream afterwards and stuff for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, my games have been were were great. Uh, had a had a nail biter. Lost two one in the first round uh, to just a Chris, who is I think still flying pretty high in the league right now. He's I think he's, he's doing still, very well. I think he's still on winner side, which is awesome. Um, I think, um, but he's he's got some solid some solid decks. Had uh, a really good matchup that I pulled out in the next week against. Uh, um, Oh goodness! Uh, the Unforgiven is as he's as he's in Discord uh, now. Which I think is Nightshine. It was right? Nightshine, yeah. Nightshine. So Nightshine slash the Unforgiven. Uh, I don't. I just didn't, didn't know what they, what they were going by now. Um, and then got absolutely blasted this past week by Curry, who's overseas on vacation. He he took time out of his schedule to away from his family to turn around, <laughs> to smack you, me, nice. smack me at seven a.m. <laughs> in the game, and then he went back to go uh to his feel good vibes overseas so i'm really happy that we got to play though because curry is a good friend of mine so but i i was playing a lot of my legends cast discord league um i think i got some good ideas about maybe ways that i would draft differently next time but mm-hmm. had a lot of fun exploring evelyn um i think she's a little underwhelming i think from a an overall meta perspective right now but i really, it's really did have interesting fun. how that plays out because initially i was convinced that gwen and evelyn were the powerhouses right the same here and then, and then kaisa just it feels like <laughs> as soon as we drafted everyone ever the the opinion overwhelming opinion and everyone like saw that was like oh yeah kaisa's the strongest and i'm like well i wish i had come to that conclusion too before the draft because i think she was available by the time that i could have drafted her and i would have been so much happier having done that as well so what's interesting is we've been casting some of the games and uh one of our Gangsta Bob games went bad. We didn't get to put it out. The second one we did get to put out, and uh, and they were really fun to cast. But Gangsta Bob's actually running a list that does not run Kaisa, but is an A-bomb list. Because as it turns out, what is really good about Kaisa is that there's these two power spikes. And if you can make it through Kaisa, you typically can't make it through A-bomb. And I... I grossly underestimated the power of a bomb mm-hmm. and specifically the keywords that you can accumulate throughout the course of a game um, when you paired uh, Sharima with Demacia. Um, and I honestly, I don't think that I realized quite how easily it w- how easy it would be with the correct assortment of things that you get because. In so many ways, Damasi and Sharima work together, and in so many ways, they don't. But one of the ways that they do work together is there's actually a pretty widespread of keywords between those two factions mm-hmm. in the early game that allows you to almost always hit Kaisa leveled up on turn five, which is absolutely menacing when combined with things like Cataclysm, which is just giving her free attacks if you can pick up. And we'll we'll talk about this during some of the patch notes, but... Um, when you can pick up Scout and when you can stack that Scout elusive uh, combo on your A-bomb toward the end of the game, it makes it almost impossible to come back from. And I don't think that I added up very well when we talked about the cards overall, what that power level would be like. I, I really did find Evolve to be a little underwhelming. And to be fair, 
I think it is. Like, I think evolve as a keyword is a little underwhelming. I just think that Kaisa and A-Bomb are incredible, you know? <laughs> well, and truthfully, I think it's a pl- the play style itself. Like, when you're building a, an evolve style of deck, you are making a concerted effort to accumulate these keywords as you've mentioned and play like it's almost a deck building strategy more than it is the actual keyword of the evolve and like what you get as the benefit of the plus two plus two which is nice like it is nice when you get that bump but um it's more or less even the strategy i mean having multiple keywords on multiple things i mean sivir alone for the longest time has been a very solid champion really never fell out of out of favor at some points was like the top champion in like a broken deck and then sometimes was just like a b level champion but was never been below that and she's got two keywords on her quick attack and spell shield which are awesome and gives other things those keywords when she yep. levels when when she attacks and that ends up being a game ender in some scenarios so now you build a deck where you've got all these different keywords that everything uh, theoretically is going to get or these late game impactful units are going to get with good stats it's a recipe for success to the point i think i can say this now because i think he's also out of the league but gangsta i actually built a deck and fine-tuned it with gangsta bob for his lineup in lcdl um that mm. was all built around keywords but it was a very different take on it and i was really proud of it and i'm sure we'll, we'll post it soon um it was a renekton victor list that oh yeah that would work so i mean they're they're both four cost champions but renekton's got overwhelm and victor accumulates some keywords as well but it, it wasn't the typical pairing with demacia it was sharima and pnz pnz sure and the allows cool, you to pick up elusive pretty easily and things well camo cloaker is awesome also mm-hmm. in pnz they have the two cost three one that has quick attack on it you have some ways to give things vulnerable um, and there's a little card that I, when it came out a long, long time ago, I loved this card and I've just been waiting for a way to play it. And I found it in this deck, which is the mechanized mimic. The five, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a cool card. The five cost card um, that says uh, when I attack, I gather all of the keywords. I gain all of the keywords from all allies on board. So when you are have you have units that have evolve, you can give her evolve as well, which ends up accumulating into a stat bump you can get quick attack overwhelm spell shield any elusive from camo cloaker because it's a grant anything that you can give and you accumulate all of those keywords on mimic and then the next turn you can use the hive herald which says i copy all of the keywords on a unit and give them to myself and them and you so you basically play all these keywords out accumulate them on mimic copy it onto Hive Herald, and then you drop an A-bomb two turns later, who's also got all of them, and you, you, it's just very impactful. I think the idea yeah. of having a lot of keywords is just a very powerful play style. Which honestly kind of brings us uh, two things. One, Gangsta Bob and uh, Jonathan C., once again, thank you for all you're doing with the league. I think that the draft format has been a tremendous amount of fun. I'm actually... I'm Huge out success. already. Yeah, I'm out of this season and I'm already looking forward to how I'm going to draft and stuff right. in the next season, which is really cool. Um, rewards or no rewards in the future. I think it is a really, really fun way to play the game. And it's kind of like, you know, even if I wasn't podcasting or playing LOR, uh, I would still want to do the draft just because of how much fun the drafting process was. And the games that I played were a lot of fun and it. Um, it really changed the deck. The deck building restrictions of this are really unique in the fact that you're still able to play decks that you want to play. 
Um, but you know, going into certain matchups, kind of what you're going to go up against. Uh, and if you're willing to do the homework and prep for it, it's been really interesting, which brings us to a larger conversation and something that I really wanted to begin talking about. I actually talked about this extensively ad nauseum on my stream the other day, where we really got into the conversation around growing card pools, region identities, um, the economy of the game. All of these things. And actually what we were doing was we were making this comparison between different genres of games, specifically MMOs, battle royales, and card games. And what I was asking was basically, is it better to be first or is it better to be best? Because in each of these games, we have examples. World of Warcraft was not first, but it was close to first. And first one that did it well and other MMOs sort of compete with it. Um, games like New World and, and sort of different things. Um, and uh, one of the ones that I play. And then, uh, you know, card games, we have Hearthstone, we have, uh, you know, we have Magic the Gathering, who are kind of first. Um, and then we have uh, Battle Royals. We have PUBG, uh, who was first, but we have Fortnite, right, who came second and did it better, and now Apex. And the, my, my real question was this, is like, what actually makes a game, because there's lots of games who come second who fail, right? If you think about uh, we started covering the Elder Scrolls Legends originally. That's a game that failed. It came after Hearthstone, after MTG, and it didn't do a really good job of carving out a space inside of the economy of card games. What makes a game actually work when it isn't the first one on the market and they have that benefit, especially games that are asking you to make massive commitments of both time and money that you can't easily walk away from like a card game? And I kind of said there has to be a gimmick. Like, there has to be a reason that people want to come and do it that does not eat away at the fabric of what it means to be in that genre of game. So when I looked at this, I said there are a couple in LOR, right? You have the the, the champion level ups, which I don't think eat away at the fabric of what it means to be a card game. I think it no. enhances it. But the other thing that you have is the economy of the game, which is them saying, we will give you basically every card for free. You're not going to have to crack packs just going to be able to craft and get the cards that you want. My question is, does that eat away at the fabric of what it means to be a collectible card game? Is that hurting? Is the economy of the game, the fact that I'm sitting on 400,000 shards in a complete collection, does that actually, do you think that actually hurts the game or helps the game in the long run? It does not hurt it. And I'll tell you why, at least from my opinion. Um, sure. Legends of Runeterra, I don't think for the for a while now, at least probably a full calendar year, really has been the top competitive powerhouse intended game that it once kind of was considered that maybe it was going to fall into that realm that there really was going to be a concerted effort around having a top notch competitive scene and world championships and that the it was going to be so competitive and that was going to be one of the trademarks of like the of what the game wanted to be was this comp complex and really strategic uh just high level player like game and i think hearthstone in a way kind of had some of that sure i mean, I mean the world championships for 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 hearthstone were always very watchable and you knew the names and blizzard did a really good job with the production of it where maybe Riot doesn't necessarily do that as much. Well, and they, they do. They just don't do it for Runeterra, right? Like, right. Sure, they sure. Do. that's a fair point. I mean, yeah. the highest production pro scene in the glo on the globe is League of Legends, right? Yeah, and, they know and, how to do it. 
And my and my comment was necessarily kind of centered around Runeterra, but yeah, to your sure, point, they, exactly. they know how to do it. It's just the efforts is, isn't really there for 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 Runeterra. Um, yeah, my point is it's not a lack of uh, capability on their no, part, no. right? It's very clear a lack of intentionality. They are intentionally not investing that in the professional scene in the way that they're doing it in like league. So with that baseline, if if this game had a monetary buffer where you, as you mentioned, there are some games that require you to to invest quite a lot. And I think the time is still there, especially if you're going to spend a lot of time in path, something like a path of champions where now there are more progressions to it. It's not just like, hey, you just pick this champion and go on this road and you can explore it if you kind of want to. But in order to unlock certain things and have a different experience in the game, in that mode, you have to spend time and collect um, currency, the in-game currency in order to be able to lock unlock different aspects of Path of Champions. For for things like that, there is a time investment, but because Legends of Runeterra isn't meant to be this super competitive scene heavy game, at least that, that's not how it's being viewed right now. I think the the lack of of economy uh, all in requirement actually helps the game because I do think that they are Riot's gone through these waves where they've done a really good job and then maybe a not so great job with patches and timing and focus and of what of what they're expanding the game into and where they're putting their time and effort into like we're seeing a lot of cards pump out now we're seeing frequent expansions and uh, a little bit more of a mm-hmm. consistent patch schedule around like the the actual deck building and yeah, we're seeing about every every month we're seeing a pretty decent round of changes updates which hasn't always been the case but when you have a game that doesn't require a lot of economic investment then people can kind of flow in and out of a groove in the game and the player base is going to grow and shrink and grow and shrink as they as riot does things well or puts out content into the game that seems interesting people will even if they're not playing the game people will still see what's coming up or what's new and being previewed for, for future expansions as Riot releases them. And people might flow back into that groove or flow back into the game to pick it up. And it's not like they are so far behind because they've accumulated this in-game currency and they can spend that in-game currency or build it back up relatively quickly to then spend on the new things that they want to or, or catch back up a little bit. So I think it really helps the game that it is more free to play in a way. Um, to your point about is it better to be first or be the best? I agree with you that in order to not be first, but to be a successful card game or successful game, you have to have something unique about you. I wouldn't necessarily call it a gimmick, but you have to be unique in that space. Mm, yeah, unique is a better word. I think it's gimmick when it fails, right? Sure. It's, it's unique when it succeeds. And it's and a, I and think, that's a matter of the of the company identifying what a what from a from a core value perspective about that game type, or if they're modeling it after a previous game that already exists and is already established and is being successful. Which is what ma- Riot does, right? They don't they don't really create a lot of original things, right? Think I mean League is is a take on Dota 2. Dota was there first, League did it better, right? And it's it's like they've tried to follow that example to a certain extent with this saying, you know, they very clearly did not come in and compete with Magic. They pretty clearly came in to compete with Hearthstone um, in the direction, the art style, everything. Um, they really tried to, you know, knock them off of that. It, you know, they're developing an MMO right now 
to enter into that space that I would say competes with World of Warcraft and sure. Final Fantasy 14, probably Final Fantasy 14 more than anything right now, to kind of see how they're going to come in on that. It, and that's really how Riot has done it. Now, my point is this, is I think that the 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 uniqueness of the card game, which is unique in all card against all card games, is the free-to-play nature of it, right? Saying we're basically going to sell you cosmetics, but we're going to give you the cards. I think that does actually eat away at the fabric of what makes a card game a card game for me or a, a collectible card game, a good collectible card game. And I've 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 really battled back and forth with this over the last two years as to why am I not drawn to play LOR as frequently, not that I don't enjoy it, not that I don't play it, but as frequently as I play other card games, you know, and I think I've sort of come to the conclusion and it's because of the card economy. Um, it's because of the fact that like there have been various times when I played Hearthstone, when I played Magic, when I played uh, Elder Scrolls Legends, where um, I wasn't really super interested in the game, but I wanted to continue to build my collection. I wanted to save up resources for the next set of cards that were coming out. I wanted to crack a pack and get that feeling of pack cracking, even if that was a digital pack, you know, and I do not get that in Runeterra. And there's no carrot on the end of the stick for me daily, for me as a player, right? I'm not going to be a master's player. I think most people can say they're not going to be a master's player, right? The vast majority of people, obviously, statistically speaking, they're not going to push for that. I'm not going to push for that. I just, I have too much going on in life to do it. So I don't, it's not that I don't think I have the skill. It's that I don't have the time for the grind. That's okay with me. I don't mind that. Um, so if I'm not going to push for that, the gauntlet scene doesn't really give me anything new, right? There's no carrot on the end of the stick for doing the gauntlets for me. I'm not going to go competitive. There is path of champions and there was a carrot on the end of the stick there for a time, but there's no cosmetics for me to earn there. I think the thing that is difficult for me is, is when you say I'm not going to make money off of the cards themselves. So people are not going to buy packs and crack packs. I have to make my money somewhere. So I have to make my money off the cosmetics, which means the best and most attractive cosmetics have to go in the cash shop. Those attractive and best cosmetics cannot be earned for free in the game, which means you remove the carrot on the end of the stick for me in almost every scenario, right? Because now playing Path of Champions doesn't lead to a skin or a board or something cool that I want to gain access to. Um, you know, playing a certain amount of ranked games with a particular champion gives me the mastery level. And I guess there's some bragging rights there, but that task seems so insurmountable that I go back to like the concept in Hearthstone where I could unlock new character portraits and golden classes. That seemed like an insurmountable object, uh, you know, objective. But as I began to grind ranked games, I realized it's not that insurmountable. I can actually grind out and reach 500 ranked wins on every class in this game. There was only nine classes. I think, I, was think a I, got of... it. I think I got it on two classes. I think I got it on priest and warlock. I think those are priest the only... and warlock. It was the only sure. two that I got them on. But you earned those, right? And they right. felt good because there was the carrot at the end of the stick to play the 500 ranked games, right? right? Really cool. That doesn't really exist in LOR. Like if I don't log on today to play the game, I'm not losing anything. I'm not losing the chance to get my three wins, my 100 gold, my pack that I crack, my resources that I'm building up for the next expansion. I probably have enough resources for the next five expansions. If I don't play the game at all for the next year and a half, I can probably come in and craft every single card in the game. 
So I think for me, one of the hard things, Giddy, is that I, I do think that the economy of the game, although very, very cool and super unique amongst card games, does eat away, at least in some ways, for me as a collector, as someone who likes to crack the pack, as someone who wants to earn the carrot at the end of the stick for the grind, you can't offer a good opportunity at the end of the grind. You can't offer a good carrot because all your good carrots have to go in the cash shop because you're not making any money off the cards. Right. And I, and I think you and I just gave two perspectives on like two, almost two outlooks as a player. Sure, what, absolutely. What, and what I, what I think a lot of my uh, argument there for why I don't think it's so detrimental or why it is detrimental was a lot more, I may be gameplay focused or um, like actually about the physical matches and how a, a player can collect the cards and absolutely then go like into actually the playing the and game. yours is more of the experience, which is, is just as valid. And it's more about what drives me to actually play the game versus how is the actual gameplay and how is the actual, like, am I able to play the game to, to the fullest when I'm actually queuing something up and playing against somebody versus what drives me to, to invest my time and effort and love in the game. And, and I don't know, I, maybe I, because I spent so much time and effort, I looked back and there was like, there was like a four year period where I spent, I, I did everything in my power to not spend money in Hearthstone if I didn't have to. But at some points I just had to pull that trigger in order to keep up. If I wanted any hope of actually enjoying the game and being able to not get absolutely obliterated by the new cards that were coming out because they did put that rotation system in and there was definitely a power creep from some expansions. I, I had to put that investment in and it almost makes me appreciative that I can love this game without having to worry so much about falling behind. And it's not on me. The pressure's not on me as the player to be able to keep up more mm -hmm. as it is on the pressure on Riot to keep the game interesting and to keep the game balanced. And I think I would rather have that issue. Yeah, I, I it's it's very interesting because when I played her start of these other games, my complaint was if I don't spend hundreds of dollars on this game, I can't keep up. And now in the game that I can keep up in, I'm like, I, I don't like and maybe it's a balance thing. Maybe it isn't. Maybe it's an economy balance thing more than it is that I don't like the fact that I can earn all the cards for free. Maybe it's the fact that I have all the cards and I have 400,000 shards. Sure. <laughs> Maybe. And, and I, and I don't play regularly. Like I don't play daily. I think there may be a balance thing there where it's kind of like, maybe, maybe the cards that you're awarded and stuff. Like if you play daily, you can get every card without spending money. But if you do not play daily, you're not going to have enough resources to get every card without spending money. And I, I think that I would like that because it would reward you for playing daily and it would consistently draw me back to the game. But this circles back around to something else that we had just talked about, which in the LCDL, which is limited formats, because we did mm. this thing with the LCDL and this sparked so much interest for me because it had this limited format. And my question is with the size of the card pool that we have now, which is something that you talked about, you know, finding region identity, what does that look like? Whenever now we don't just have, you know, four or five ascended champions, but we now got Kaisa and we're, you know, we're very clearly going to be able to, to combine the new champion coming up with Sharima to a certain extent. Um, the question then becomes like, 
do we need more and newer formats, either a rotation or a new way to play or a new format to play in, in LOR that will bring players in and keep them engaged even when they don't have a carrot at the end of the stick with a cosmetic or or a card pack that they're cracking. So let me ask you this before I answer that question. If if they if Riot came out and put, I'll say an elite level worth of cosmetics like boards or mm. skins that you could earn with your shards, but they were set at a pretty high mark. No pun intended because your name is Mark. Would you uh would you find that interesting? Would that be one hundred percent? Okay, so that would be one hundred. That would be a that would be the carrot. That would be a suf- a, a sufficient carrot. To say, Honestly, like, it, it wouldn't even have to be shards. If there was a unique card back for every champion that was only you got rewarded with it once you hit mastery five with the champion, that would be enough of a carrot on the end of a stick for me to go and try to option. max max mastery on champions. I would 100% do it. Or if there was more of a reward once you maxed mastery, as it is right now, I have several champ- champions that are maxed on mastery. It, I'm actually deterred from playing them, even though they're some of my favorite champions. I actually don't want to play them because I feel like I'm not earning anything by playing them. I feel like I'm being punished for playing champions that I love and have maxed the mastery with because mm-hmm. I don't really get anything out of doing that. So if there was something beyond mastery five that was earnable for playing those champions that got you know a branching path of cosmetics or something that you could get access to once you reach ma- mastery five, I that's a carrot on the end of the stick that I would love to see as well. I'd love I'd love to see them. And granted, this is a this would be a big undertaking and probably something that would add a lot of like data to the game. I think is probably not something that they will ever do. But here's here would be my solution to that. Similar, and I would I wouldn't even do a card back. I would do an alternate level up animation. I would do an alternate yeah. level up animation once you hit mastery five with with a with a champion and just make it dope. Just make it. It doesn't even have to be themed. Keep it in the theme, whatever the champion is but create an alternate level of animation or a master or, or skin, art. right? Like, yeah, a master skin. Even if, it, even if it isn't a level of animation, it's just card art. Like it's a different skin. You know, let's say, I mean, we know we have right. Two different uh, card arts for Timo basically. Right. And two for fizz. Like what if one of those you got when you got the card and the other one you got once you hit mastery five with them. And what if there was that case for each of the, they didn't have to be they had like different voice lines, just cool. It. Just a card art and voice yeah. lines. Anything that's that is basically saying like, hey, here's a reason why you actually want to earn this more than just like the icon changing. That's really the only carrot at the end of the stick is the icon changing some. I'm just not entertained by that. Um, sure. Like it's it, it is really pale in comparison to the other things you can obviously earn and gain in the game. So, yeah, all of that to say, I also I want to return to this conversation about the the alternate formats yeah what would i mean just that is there an alternate format that you would like to see added to lor i mean do you think that it's time for a card rotation or do you just want to see like a draft format or something come back to the game so here's what i'll say and i'm going to answer this in kind of two different parts i think about the card rotation piece of things the idea that they they stopped making regions i think hurts is it hurts the idea of being able to continue to grow the card pool and not have a rotation because mm. when you had expanding number of regions you basically had a card pool that could continue to grow where other cards didn't necessarily always have to compete against all the other cards within the game it wasn't a there were cards in shadow isles that weren't necessarily directly unless they you combined two regions for a deck there weren't cards that were directly competing with cards from bilgewater 
to be fit into a deck. Mm -hmm. So I I didn't necessarily have that. We need to rotate cards because there are some that are just staples that we can't get past. And these new cards coming in, you'd have to, but like, because they're not making any more regions and they've capped themselves at the number of regions as the card pool grows. And I think that's why Hearthstone had to do it is because they only had a specific number of classes and they never grew that number of classes. Um, at least while I was playing the game, I don't know if they have any classes. I think they did. They did, I, they do have another one now. It's like a Death Knight, uh, but that isn't really a it's class. Like a dark, like, it's I like a dark everybody can sort. become Death Knight is like a dark fighter. It it, it basic, but, but dark paladin maybe. But I think every class can become a Death Knight. Like I think there's like a way to transform you into the Death Knight inside of your deck. So you oh no 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 no. So so death, so death Death Knights were a thing during one of the expansions. I think Demon Hunter. Demon, Demon Hunter, Hunter, yes, that's new, a, probably class. a new class. It's a, it's yeah. a class because I think Illidan is like the uh, is the yeah, is the absolutely. champion for that. Anyway, they so they expanded one class, and because they probably needed to. But when you have a limited number of of classes, or for this matter, regions, and more cards continued that you you put out have to compete against other existing cards, you either have to level up the ante and make cards that are more powerful, which the the we're just going to complain about as a card as as a as a player base and say this needs to be toned down and it's going to be continuously harder for the devs to Mm -hmm. to balance i mean supercharge came out recently and we were clanging for that one to be nerfed because we saw that instantaneously we were like yeah this is way over but they but they wanted the card to be played and they had to make it relevant in order for it to be played and so i i think that when you have a limited number of classes and more cards have to compete against each other, rotation becomes more relevant. That is my mm-hmm. assessment on the on that conversation. Now, as for the format that you're asking that I would like to see, my most played format in Hearthstone, and I even played it some. I know you enjoyed this. I, I, don't, I didn't necessarily like the way that LOR approached it. I didn't find it as great, but I loved Expedition. I liked the drafting. Mm-hmm. The drafting formats. I loved the uh, the the arena as it was called in Hearthstone. Sure. Uh, if they brought that back and just said, hey, how can we improve this game mode of, are- of Arena or of Expeditions and let's bring it back? I would enjoy that. I would really enjoy that, especially now with such an expanded card pool. I, I would get rid of all of the... I would get rid of all of the... Um, the different like, oh, you've chosen this champion. Okay, so now I'm going to offer you this pool of cards in sets later on in the expedition draft. So that way there's like synergies and things like that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you high rolled, sometimes you low rolled on the draft. That just happens. And if anything, it was more fun that way. I would, I would like to see them bring back expedition and not have these like restrictions and cards that you could pull. Because I think sometimes it's fun to have dumb cards or bad cards or things that like are really, really greedy in your deck that you don't play with or that you'll never queue a real queue up in 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 a a deck building format. I agree. I think at the very least we need to see you know, I, I'm fine with Path of Champions. At the very least, we need to see an arena return to the game, right? We need an expedition mode. We need a drafting mode. I think we need a new limited mode too. Um, whether that's playing in blocks or um, you know, a a a rotating thing where every week a different three regions are going to battle together and you have to construct a deck using only those three regions. Um, and you, you know, you get to take that into battle. That might not be great. Or, you know, I think that limited formats are really healthy for games, especially as card pulls grow. If you look at games 
like Magic the Gathering, right? They have all of these different ways to play, all of these different limited formats, you know, from, you know, your, 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 I don't know, modern and your standard and your commander and like all of those different ways, you know, I think, you know, the command, a commander style game would be really interesting for a game like LOR where you have, you know, a Highlander style deck where you have one-offs, but you're the champion that you've chosen to play in your deck sits off to the side and you can cast them onto the board um, throughout the game. And every time they die, they go back off the side of the board, right? You can keep bringing that champion back, but they're no longer in your deck. I think that's a really a cool idea. I think there's a lot of limited formats that could be really healthy for a game like LOR that uh, haven't been explored yet. And I want to see that happen um, because I think they need ways to make people want to play the game every day. It's a lifestyle game. I think they should find ways if it's not going to be cracking packs if it's not going to be building a collection if it's not going to be earning cosmetics outside of their events like there has to because if you have an event that you're not interested in like i i could really care less about you know the the i don't know the the sailor moon event going on right now they just keep you know they've given me some cool events they've given me a lot of really really feminine events are you not and, a star, are you not a star guardian no i'm not like i submitted <laughs> art for it or whatever but like i just i just you know i if you give me these super feminine events, I get it, but I don't like, I don't want the cosmetics from it enough. A lot of times to play the game, to earn them. I I'm just learning them out of obligation. I'm giving you $10 just because I don't want to miss out. Right. Just getting me on FOMO. Um, give me something that I want to do. Give me some, a reason to log in daily beyond these events that could be really hit and miss. And I, I think we've come up with some really cool ideas in this conversation. Um, but I, we should probably move it on. I, I think it's a really good conversation to have. I'd love to see it continue over in the Discord mm -hmm. as to what people think about the economy of the game. Does that hurt? Does it help it? What limited formats do we think would be able to breathe some fresh life into the game for those of us who do want to play it daily but don't want to be competitive, aren't trying to do the competitive grind um, and come up against the same Kaisa deck a million times in a row. Yeah. Um, you want to talk a little bit about, before we talk about the new cards and the expansion briefly, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about how we're going to go about talking about this patch because there's so much in the patch we obviously can't discuss all of it today trust me i know what i'm doing sure yeah yeah we'll we'll, we'll, we'll kind of cut it down uh so we got a new patch that dropped yesterday if we're recording this on thursday so it dropped wednesday of august 17th and there were a lot of great things that happened in this patch i think overall they the patch was very well received. They they covered a lot of basis. They always like to hit some cards that aren't necessarily relevant and may not still be relevant, but cards that are really underwhelming and boost their power, which I think is really fun and cool because sometimes you find <laughs> a really cool way to invent, reinvent a card that is clearly not going to see any play unless something somebody does something with it. And also, but more importantly, tone down the cards that maybe are more prevalent that everyone's playing and are creating super decks or it doesn't even have to be that, but really, really strong decks, maybe overtuning a champion that is finding its way into the top meta decks a little too often, something like a bard. Um, so yeah, they which hit we've seen an adjustment on sure. Yeah. So, and we've seen, which we've seen an adjustment on. So they gave us quite a few changes to cards, both spells, landmarks, champions and everything. So what I'd like to do is for have, have both of us highlight our biggest winner and biggest loser from this patch. So what was the biggest uh, like nerf that you saw that you think is going to be impactful? And what was the biggest uh, buff that you saw that you think is going to be impactful? And I'll let, you, I'll let you go first, Mark. What is your biggest buff that you saw to a card 
um, from this patch. Well, so I, I was just counting through. It looks like we have basically 40 card adjustments um, across the board. I Thank think, you for counting I think, because I did not. Yeah, I just I just ran through them really, really quick. And I think there's probably more nerfs here than there are buffs. Seems like they tuned a lot of things down. Um, honestly, a lot of the buffs that I'm seeing, I'm not, I, I wasn't super impressed with. Um, the two that did stick out to me, the nerfs, I mean, there's some pretty hard nerfs in this set. There's without a doubt. Right. And I, I actually think we should probably spend a little bit more time because there's probably more than two nerfs worth conversation. Um, there might not be more than two buffs worth conversation here, but I think that the two buffs for me, I'm going to, I'm going to highlight two of them real quick. Yeah, just, you can do two and two. Yeah. Dusk Petal Dust. Um, it says it used to be the next card with nightfall. You play this round costs one less. It's been shifted to the next card. You play this round costs one less. Um, I, I think that's huge. I, I, I know it's like one mana burst and you know, so what you're spending one mana to make something cost one less. Um, and maybe that's not a big deal, but I think it is because you, this is basically allowing you to convert a spell mana into ramping something out a turn earlier, right? If you're sitting on one or more spell mana, you can now use this card in the future to get your turn six play out on turn five, which is huge. Like, that is big. It's no longer limited to Nightfall stuff. I think that makes the, the one mana 2-1 drop that generates this card like an auto-include in just about every target deck, certainly anything that wants to curve out. Um, I think it's, I think that's huge. I really, really do. I, I, anything that can cheat mana is important. And this was good in Aphelios. Um, but in a deck where it's now like, I mean, do you, like, if you have a reason to splash target, like you put this, you, you get the thing that generates this card in your deck, right? Like you yeah. just, because it's, it can ramp out your champion a turn early, right? This can ramp out your ASL on turn nine. Now, if you have the spell mana, um, you know, if you if you play the dragon, I guess, well, yeah, I don't know. If you had a couple of these things, you could get Aesol out before then if you play the dragon in this. So I think, I guess this would trigger the nightfall on the dragon instead of the daybreak. Either way, what I'm saying is, is I think that there's some interesting things that can happen here with this Dusk Petal. Um, Aesol's like a, the worst example that I could have come up with. Um, <laughs> but if you have that spell mana, it allows you to convert a spell mana into a normal mana for the purposes of playing a, a creature. The other one that I think got an enormous buff here is Bloody Business. Um, yeah. Which might be the best adjustment of this set. Um, basically, they just said, hey, how about we take Bloody Business, which was one of the better pieces of straight-up removal that Noxus had available to them, um, at least in some of your reputation decks, and let's just give it a reputation ability that makes it cost two less. So let's just take this to a two-mana instead of a four-mana. They didn't hurt it at all. Literally just gave it a straight up bonus if you're playing it in reputation decks uh decks i mean this thing at two mana is nutty like the, a one-way single combat at two mana um and a lot of your yeti decks your leblanc decks right they're going to they're gonna run this i mean they were running it already it's just like straight up saying like hey how would you like to get pushed a little bit harder in that direction um yeah i think i think that's just i honestly that was the one that was the biggest surprise to me i was like there's literally nothing even like this is just this is just a straight up crazy buff. Like this is just really, this isn't a rework. This isn't a let's return it to what it used to be, which is a lot of what we got in this. This is just a straight up, like this isn't a one stat boost. This is just, Hey, 
let's just add this to the section of cards that it probably should have been a part of to begin with, and let's make it really strong. Um, bloody business, I think, is the biggest benefactor from this patch, in my opinion. Yeah, it's de that's definitely a good buff, uh, for sure. Bloody business is a great card. I was running it even before the possibility of having, and I don't even. I think it's even relevant outside of reputation decks too. Uh, but it's it's really good now, especially if you run run in reputation decks. There's there's definitely the payoff, especially for late for late game uh, removal, big target late game removal. Uh, the two the two buffs that I'll highlight, and I mean there might be more in here that are probably better for buffs or can be for buffs. But one that was a little bit relevant to me is um, Zillion's buff with them changing his champion spell. I thought that was a really creative way to give him like a slight buff. And it's not a huge buff. It depends on kind of what you're looking at. There have been several times where Zillion's old champion spell being the seven cost um, spell, burst spell that says when I die, resum or bring me back to life or resummon me uh, and give me plus three, plus three. It was a mm -hmm. way of almost stopping removal and also making him. And it was this round specifically. I found that out, but uh, it, with that, that almost saved my zillion and saved kind of my 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 tempo. Even if I was burning seven mana on a turn, I was counteracting something of their spell that they were playing of a combat trick, and I was bringing back a a a champion and even even more powerful now that continues to push my game plan forward, which Zillion is usually a pretty big part of in the decks that he's in. But them changing it to Zillion's Careful Preparation, where Careful Preparation places a card from your hand into your deck, and then you get to predict and then create an exact copy of that chosen card in hand. So basically just tutor in a different, a different card that's more impactful for to you in the moment. And also there's some predict benefits there if you see like a, like a Kahiri or a Drop Border or a, um, a Crystal. Sure. I think that makes that's a lot more of a flexible spell. It's a lot more of a flexible way to use Zillion's uh, champion spell because it's not always he's a two cost champion. So there's about four or five turns where you probably don't either don't have the mana or don't want to burn seven mana just to keep Zillion alive. Maybe if, even if you have another one and you wish you could do something else with that copy of his champion spell in your hand. I think a two cost burst spell of careful preparation to continue to one predict, uh, maybe find a, a time bomb or something like that. And two, um, just be more impactful in the, in the middle of the game on the fly, I think is, is a good, it was a good change for him. Um, I, yeah, I agree. It, what it allows him to do is be more proactive when you have two of them. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and you I think that's mind drawing a second copy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, before Zillion's champions, but if you had a second one in hand, you were really reactive. In here, I actually, the reason I'm saying this, I played against it today. Um, I beat it in the end with a Yasuo deck just because they couldn't find what they needed. Um, I had the deny in hand to stop that Arcane Crystal, by the way, if you're listening to this. So just even if you found it, I would have won. Um, but <laughs> uh, they used this card in that deck. And uh, I mean, the number of time bombs that I went up against, he had me at, he had me at two health at the end wow. of the game and he had never i don't i don't think he ever got more than two or three points of damage through it was all arcane crystals and time bombs that dealt yeah. all of that damage so and this allowed him to play a really proactive strategy to eliminate my board um by just copying and creating those those time bombs in deck and he didn't mind 
because he was playing mono zillion and so he would actually play the thing that sacked the mana crystal to go find a zillion when he had a zillion on the board because he knew he would just be able to then predict and create more time bombs in his deck and it worked out pretty well for him yeah so uh i think that was a, that was a pretty good buff uh to zillion i think the other card that i want to highlight for a buff as i'll, as I'll kind of keep this conversation moving is harsh winds harsh winds went from mm. six mana to five mana in a in a region and an often placed in a deck that really wants to stall being able to stop a lot of damage early one turn earlier is is so impactful the, the we, we talk about sometimes how one mana really doesn't mean that much for a card where sometimes one mana a one mana cost reduction can be everything this is closer to the latter yeah a, i agree a a one mana cost reduction from Harshwood's now cost from it costing six, which is I think is what it's always been at, to now costing yep. five, is amazing. Like it, it is a really, really impactful. There, some of these really late game greedy control decks in Frail Yord just absolutely require you to be able to get to like a to like turn five or turn six, and. In order to be able to play at a harsh winds, you had to have banked three spell mana and gotten at least to turn three or banked two span of spell mana, at least gotten to turn four. You can pass on turn two now. And on turn three, you can stop two attackers, two two attackers from a from an open swing against an aggressive deck that's really trying to burn you down. And then on, and turn around on the next turn on your attack token and play a blighted ravine or play an avalanche like you you can really slow down a deck now with just that one cost mana reduction and the way that frail yurt's timing usually works out in some of these late game control decks not to mention that anivia decks by proxy got a huge buff because yep. anivia this is anivia's champion spell so now the five cost uh, also applies to any additional copies that you'll draw of anivia if you've already got one on board so I think this is what was is a while it's not necessarily a, a card that I now look forward to playing against. I it is pretty pretty devastating when you get hit by harsh winds and they kill something they kill two things of yours via now free trades that you really wanted to see stay alive. I think this is a really powerful change for Freljord, who maybe is uh, struggling a little bit um, with some of the aggressive decks that we've seen out there. Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, the uh, my only negative about this is this Harsh Winds was actually played in my Ash Lux uh, Mage Seekers deck because it was six mana. <laughs> and uh, oh, that's a good point. Is now yeah. it's, it's not available for for some for for Jace either. Yeah, for Jace either. I don't think that that really makes a difference. There is a significant difference for some spells between the five mana cost and the six mana cost for the purposes of Jace of Heimer of. Uh, of Lux of Mage Seekers, um, that six mana point is kind of like it's it's a much bigger deal than eight to seven mana. Six to five mana is a much bigger deal um, across the board, um, and so it's not going to be found use in there. It wasn't finding use in there anyway, so it doesn't matter. But uh, I just did think that was interesting because Ash Lux was one of my favorite decks to play for quite a while. Really enjoyed that deck. So uh, yeah, I mean it was never good. I just liked it. Right. <laughs> um yeah. buffs so, like or nerfs nerfs like yeah. the things that hurt the worst is that where we're at yeah let's go let's go let's do some nerfs oh also uh, honorable mention for buffs mark of the storm for 
uh, the buff going from two damage to three damage. I think that's going to be big. Sure. I um, think hate spike too. That little buff there is, is mm-hmm. a big one as well. Those are both. Yeah. So, so nerf wise, let's talk about nerfs real quick. I think a huge nerf, mm-hmm. um, maybe not huge. I think a nerf that's going to be impactful is the nerf to um, ancient hourglass. Ancient hourglass going from yeah. two mana to three mana, um, being able to kind of counter some spells and and keep your units alive uh, or counter uh, one of your units being dragged in via vulnerable tag or being challenged and being able to keep that Zerath or keep your, your Akshan alive, whatever it might be. Uh, usually, usually ancient hourglass and saved for Kaisa <laughs> for that matter. Like, Oh, yeah. on Kaisa, it's huge. Like, yep. I, oh, yeah, I think it's really I think, big there. I think being able to keep, especially since it comes back in the exact form that it, that it, that it left the, the board in mm-hmm. that going from two mana to three mana, Sometimes you only have two mana uh, left in your after you've played a, a big unit or, or played something else. So there's going to be situations where you are one mana short now to play that ancient hourglass where it really never felt like that was the case. You know, it always felt mm-hmm. like the ancient hourglass was on the table as a backup plan where I think you have to be a bit more you have to be a bit more intentional with your with your mana if you are afraid that your champion might die this turn and you want to use ancient hourglass. So, I think that's a big change. Um the other I agree. the other nerf that I'll that I'll mention here um that hurts a little bit um is Raven Bloom Conservatory. Yeah, that was on my list as well. Yeah. yeah absolutely. And, and granted, I think this is nerf is I mean Raven Bloom Conservatory was around. It was it was relevant um as a card in meta decks and it was you could see it in a variety of different ways while i do i think raven bloom conservatory is dead no uh i played a couple games with it yesterday because one of my favorite decks to play right now is annie gp where it is with raven bloom conservatory and i i didn't notice so much that i was i was still i was still popping my raven bloom conservatory and i was still getting tieball was i playing him a turn later sure but by the time Raven Bloom Conservatory pops and you get your tie bulk out, you're usually trying to set up a, a big extra damage turn off of the back of a Rex, which you still usually have a turn or two gap in there. So the the really big setup that you're trying to create by playing tie bulk and, and, and having Raven Bloom Conservatory count all the way down, I still think you have, there's still a margin for error in there for you to have that big impactful turn on eight. Uh, I, I, I'll just say this about, I 100% disagree with the Raven Bloom Conservatory uh, nerf. I think that Raven Bloom Conservatory is really healthy for the game. So, yeah, I, I would, I wouldn't, I know that's maybe a hot take for some. Yeah, I think that's a hot take for some people. I think Raven Bloom Conservatory keeps some things in check that likely need to keep in check. I think it was a really creative, super fun, very engaging new tool for those sort of poke damage control comps. Um, in the Annie, in the TF, in the GP, right? Um, that wanted to do stuff. Like I just, I just think it's really good. I thought it was a new, exciting, fun, enjoyable way to play with sort of the mid rangey to control Noxus lists with, you know, typically with Bilgewater specifically, mm-hmm. who can make good use of this. And so I was really disappointed in that change, if I'm honest. Yeah, um, I, I wish they hadn't changed it, but I'm, I'm happy to see that they didn't nerf it into Oblivion where it's not going to be playable. I will be still happy to throw this in plenty of decks and um, just plan on having it maybe one turn, one turn later. Uh, maybe where it hurts you a little bit more is uh, when you play the second copy of Raven Bloom Conservatory, 
mm-hmm. because it's not getting the the additional countdown. For, it almost makes it impossible to play a second one if you don't find it early. Very, very difficult. Yeah, unless you have them on one and two, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, because there have been times where it's like turn six and I find another Ravenbloom Conservatory and I've got, I'll say six or six ticks on it or seven ticks on it from spells that I've played. But if you pop that down at 12 now, you're still six, six, six ticks six away. Six turns away. It's, from, it's, it's, from being it's, able to play. It's a dead card. You just drew a dead card, basically. Yeah. So I, um, I think it does. I think I think it hurts the second copy more than it does the first coffee. Copy if you are first coffee. Well, I need some coffee. If you are, hmm. if you're digging for it. So yeah. Um, relevant My relevant two. nerf. Your two. My two. Uh, I, I'll go higher in the list. Let's go champions and let's talk about the nerf to a couple of champions. Obviously, the changes to Kaisa are important. I think that they're not enough. I'm not going to get into that. Let's talk Alawi. Alawi Bard being a really popular deck really got the hammer here, which is interesting that Kaisa got what I think is to be a light treatment, whereas Alawi Bard did not. So either they have stats that we don't have, or they really dislike the gameplay style of Alawi and not so much of Kaisa. Um, but Tentacle Smash gets hit, right? It's now Good. spawn two instead of spawn three. Good. Uh, yeah, I think that's huge. I, I'll be honest. I think that's huge. I think that I think that's a I think that's an enormous difference. There are so many things that if you're if you're now if you deal with Alawi's tentacles that are building, um, tentacle smash is almost it's just awful. Like it's not good at when there's no tentacle on the board and you're only dealing three to something. But you can clear a lot of stuff and a lot of champions with it if you need to. Now at two, it almost clears nothing. Like, it's almost trash if you haven't already built up a pretty good-sized tentacle. And it's going to just give that one point less of survivability for the tentacle that you have developed if your opponent has ticked some damage on it. I've I think that's a good so hit. Many, I've lost so many games against Tentacle Smash where, like, I was very clearly ahead. I was absolutely winning the game. And I had a unit on the board that how was that? Was that was healthy. In, in in all real real kind of aspects at three health and they play this they play a tentacle smash they play something like a burst speed spell that gets gets the tentacle out like the eye of nagakaboros um mm-hmm. on a turn or they've they've got a tentacle out and then all of a sudden i'm just like okay i win the game if they don't have tentacle smash or if they do have tentacle smash i lose the game and it's pretty much as linear as that and they found they have it, they find it, they play it. My big unit dies. They now are working towards their game plan because they've got a tentacle at one health who, if I can remove, I now just had to use a piece of removal. I didn't want to, I didn't want to use, or they start building the bad boy back up and they're going to win the game because tentacles are how you win with Alawi. It's like, like one of the only ways you win. So mm-hmm. I, I, I was happy to see this card nerfed. I think it was the linchpin in the mid game that really kept Alawi decks together. And it's yeah, not this necessarily... is a good pick for nerfing, and it nerfs Alawi uh, also because it's her champion spell, right? So it's yeah. a double nerf in many ways. And it's not that I don't like Alawi as a champion or the, or the the play style, but I just disliked the amount of comeback ability with that card. Well, let's just be real. Like most champions, their champion spell you only play if you have two champions in hand, and if the situation goes for it, you're lucky if the champion spell is playable. Right in this case, you ran three tentacle smashes and loved getting multiple lowies in hand because it meant you had more tentacle smashes. Now it'll actually be a detriment to have those multiple copies of Alawi and multiple tentacle smashes in hand. Well, well um, you're, so. in, in theory, if you have an Alawi on board, then that means you'll probably also have a tentacle of some of some capacity on board too. Mm-hmm. Which is the exact scenario we were talking about. This card isn't horrible. Is okay. I've already got a tentacle built somewhat up on the board. Now I get an extra plus two to that tentacle. 
the plus two plus two and then I was going to go smack something like that's really not a bad scenario. Um, also because that helps with Alawi's level. I think it's more up. balanced. Yeah, it's more balanced and it, it's just going to be used in a completely different context now in a context I'm much happier seeing it in. Yep. So, okay, let's talk about uh, my second one, which is Bard. Um, Bard's gutting is that now he doesn't start planting the chimes in deck. So sort of the origin ability, the wandering caretaker, as far as I can tell here. Um, chimes don't start planting in your deck until you have three plus mana gems. Uh, I mean, Bard, is it Bard unplayable? Yet to be seen for me. I'm not sure because there are still cards that can get they you do it turn one turn two that yeah like as miss the world world whatever world breather world eater whatever it is on like it's yeah, worlds. Yeah. it's a little spooky skeleton uh um, uh-huh. spooky spooky spirit but i think Light with spirit with bird uh and Esmus on one and two if you find them and you mulligan for them you can still continue to have chimes in your deck this just bar just has the doesn't have the ability to stupid high roll anymore that it did where it's like, oh, there's only 10 chimes in my deck. And I just pulled three of them on one card on turn three that I topped. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's nothing more frustrating than being like, okay, he's got a unit that's overstatted now for no reason when it was never designed to be that way. And I, I, that was always really, there was always really frustrating playing against a bard deck that just stupid high rolled because from there you, you are already so far behind on tempo. If they, if they are able to play that unit quickly on board, that oh absolutely um but what's interesting about it is is that they it's not that they're saying bard shouldn't be played um they just nerfed bard specifically in the ability for that deck to come more online so it's almost a it's almost a change in methodology of how they want bard decks playing they want bard decks to have a a good strong late game and still have that ability to close out with a big standard yeah. board i mean clearly they but they buffed cosmic binding from plant three chimes to plant six chimes at at five cost spell so they're not saying that you can't play Bard or that Chime shouldn't be in the game. Just let's not have the ability for your opponent Super to get blown out because you high rolled. Yeah. I I am yet to I'm yet to know what this will do. I suspect I think that Bard was borderline before. Great support champion if you had the right thing to support it with. But I think that Bard found its most play in being viable with a Lowey. And I think the pain to a Lowey now is going to be multiplied by this, this pain on Bard. And I think a Lowey will just be way too slow. I think not having the removal that it needs and it not being as efficient, having a Lowey have less health, having Bard not be able to do this, I think it might just kill that deck entirely. And my worry is just basically that, okay, well, then a Lowey and Bard won't see play at all because they're not going to see play anywhere else. Um, and I don't it, necessarily uh, think that's true. I think Bard maybe will, not. I think Bard will still see play in other board centric decks. Um, Alawi is a little bit more shoehorned in, and I think Bard was just so complementary to it was basically an Alawi deck with chimes, so that way it just gave you it was an Alawi deck with better stats. I think that's what what it came across. Um, I don't. Thick I, boys. I'll, if yeah, thick yeah, thick tentacles, thick tenties. If 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 anything if one of the two of them is going to be unplayable because it's going to be a Lowey. Yeah. Is my, is my opinion. I think Bard is still flexible enough. Or that, Bard that's probably will see, true. Well, Bard will see play elsewhere. Yeah. I'm curious to see how much slower it's going to be and, and what will come out of that. So we'll see, but 
Uh, listen, man, we, we should probably have a quick discussion at least about new stuff. We actually yeah. planned on doing this episode before we knew anything <laughs> new was coming out. Speaking of expanding card pools, holy crap, uh, I didn't know we were getting an expansion this soon. Uh, I think it surprised at least several of us in the Discord. I mm -hmm. didn't think that we were going to start seeing this stuff. Five new champions, too. Five new champions coming to the game, I believe, um, is what they said. So, I mean, I that's pretty big. something every day. Yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to look really quickly and just see. I'm sure there was, like, a release time and everything for this. Um, I don't remember exactly when the release is. Uh, it's, it's upcoming, though. I mean, it's not far from now. Um, that much like the, I do know. I think it's like the middle or middle of September. Okay, so yeah, so coming up here pretty quick, we're gonna see it come out. Um, only probably less than a month. Five champions, I believe. I hope that I'm right about that. There is the chance that I'm wrong about that. I was like trying to look through the news real quick and see. Uh, okay, I'm looking at uh the Kane reveal here. So mm. all, all of that to say, basically, what we found was we got Kane. And we're getting the darkens, and we're getting the equip keyword, which is basically, Ooh. you know, new equipment. New expansion, um, August 31st. Oh, okay. So I was wrong about that. So literally in uh, less than two weeks, we're getting this. Yeah. it's uh, Which is it's pretty crazy. Really quick, which is cool, but also really quick. Um, yeah. I just hope that it's thought out. That's all I'm going to say. But yeah, we've <laughs> yeah got please let it be fully fleshed out, please. Thank you. <laughs> please play test. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we have we have a lot of new stuff coming out in this. And it, it seems, I mean, a, a, it's, it's a lot. Like, it's a whole lot of stuff. And I'm trying to literally look for the news right now that says there's five champions and I can't find it. So I don't know where it was that I read that. And I'm hoping that that's right. Let me know if I'm wrong, though. Maybe it is three champions and not five. Um, I had I really strongly felt like it was five champions, but um, with this next mini expansion. Um, but either way, we're definitely getting some new champions. One of those is Kane. What the b is that? Let me read Kane real quick. Kane is a five mana two five rune Terra champion. With Origin Shadow Reaper, Shadow Reaper allows you to play any cultist in your deck, which is a new person. Um, and that new person uh, is like, it's a new keyword type thing. So, you know, like you know, it'll have it. It's like a tag. Um, once you play three different cultist units, there are cultist spells as well. Three different cultist units. Um, you will be able to put a cane into your hand. Cane comes in. Uh, five mana, two five with challenger auto equip the darken side. The darken side. There's a piece of equipment that goes on onto Kane that says attack grant me plus one plus zero. And whenever he kills an enemy, you heal him too. As soon as he's struck twice, he's going to level up and recall to your hand, and he's going to become a zero mana three six that says when you play him, play him as Rost or uh, the Shadow Assassin. Um, and Rost, when you play him, it transforms in all copies of Induit. Five mana, three, six with overwhelming challenger that auto equips the corrupted scythe, which gives him plus one, plus one every time he attacks. And when he kills an enemy, he full heals and heals your nexus too. If you play the shadow assassin, he's a three, six with the shadow scythe, which every time he attacks, he gets plus two, plus zero, but he has elusive in challenger. So a way to sort of close out the game with the elusive, a way to sort of dominate, reclaim the board and heal yourself up with Rost. Um... You know, I don't know 100% of what to think about this. This is equipment. This is cultist. This is darken, which is another keyword that we're not a keyword. It's another tag that we're getting, which is 
Uh, Darken is sort of like the I think the demon touched stuff in the game, mm-hmm. um, and uh, of course Kane himself is a Darken. It's like dark um, kin. I'm imagining dark kin, dark kin. Yeah, 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 dark kin. Yeah, and so are the weapons. The weapons are dark kin weapons. Uh, they're sort of like intelligent weapons um, infused with some stuff. Uh, there's so much that we could unpack here, but uh, I'll just say this: I don't really know at a two five stat line how great Kane is. But I do know that I'm totally into it. Like, I'm into the equipment. I'm into Kane. I'm into the cultist stuff. I think it's all freaking sick thematically. Yeah. And I love it. I love the artwork. The art direction is some of the coolest art that I've seen in the game. So, super pumped about that. Well, Kane, so here's what I'll say about Kane and my perceived power level of Kane. Um, I'm not sure that it's got, it's great in the flexibility perspective. I mean, anytime that you have the fact that you can turn him into Rast or you can turn him into the Shadow Assassin and you can go two different routes, whether it be the Overwhelm or the Elusive route based on what kind of deck you're playing against at that point makes us, I think Rast is, or I think, uh, I'm sorry, Kane is going to be better on ladder that way because you can kind of form fit as you see your opponent playing. Um, however, uh, Kane almost has a direct comparison to Garen. Garen being another five cost champion that has a five five stat line and has the exact same level of requirement. Um and I, you don't see Garen play a whole and rallying is really strong. You don't see Garen get a lot of play. Mm-hmm. Um expecting very specific decks. So I'm not sure how good Kane is going to be because to me, he's got a worse stat line. He heals himself too when he kills an enemy versus Garen regen Garen regening himself all the way up. This almost just feels to me like, and now you have to grant he's zero when he gets recalled to your hand, which is nice. Um, But it's going to take another strike or two for you to get more powerful than when, where Garen would already be leveled up after the two strikes and he stays on board. I don't know. I have a hard time processing where this is better than he does have challenger at his overwhelm and he does have challenger on his, he does have challenger at his base. So you can control who Kane is striking. Maybe that's, maybe that's the only difference there. I think that's huge. I, I think that's the big change because a lot of times when you're playing with Garen, one of the negatives is you can't control who's going to block you. Right? Yeah. The darkened scythe. I mean, he gets the darkened scythe that gives him plus one for every mm-hmm. time he attacks. So not strikes, yep. but on attack. So before he strikes, he would get that buff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's. I think he's okay. Um, it's just a matter of how many cheap guys do they still have on board by the time turn five comes down. You almost don't chump. Are you almost don't chump block his or or trade with his with your opponent's low stuff, and then maybe you can you can pull off a couple free trades with Kane and maybe like a, a whirling death or something like that. Yeah. I mean, his shadow his, also, I think it's important, right? His, his creature spells, a four mana slow spell, give him quick attack this round. He starts a free attack, challenging an enemy. Um, I think that's interesting as well. Cause it's like giving that free trade. It's giving that strike. One of the other interesting things about him is actually after he makes the second strike, you recall him to hand and he comes down for zero. So if you get one strike in and your opponent then says uses a vengeance, you can use something like a single combat and he's going to come back to hand and avoid that vengeance. So you can actually save his life. That's a, that's a good point. Uh-huh. That's a good point as well. Um, yeah. And I think that that's really cool. 
Um, did you already talk about his uh, his origin? Uh, I yeah, I talked a little about his origin. Once you play three different unique cultist uh, like creatures, uh, then you'll be able to put one of him in hand. Yeah, so the fact that you can continue to draw him over and over again is really great. Um, I think that is a, I think it's a very relevant origin. The cultists don't seem to be like underpowered, at least the ones that they've revealed so far. So playing cultists is going to feel natural. Um, and you don't, you don't have to have, you don't have to have him on board in order to draw a cane. So you could ostensibly play anytime between, depending on what cultists we get, you could play three cultists between turns one to four, one to four and drop him on curve on five. Uh, if you by by drawing a cane through the uh, through the origin piece of things, so Kane almost makes himself a lot more consistent through that, which is another point in his favor. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, cultist decks might might be a thing. So might, let's talk a, a little bit about the equipment because it does interact. I watched the live stream to see how it interacts because I was curious: how does it go on? Where does it go when the creature dies? What does that look like? So it, it functions kind of similar to attach um, in the fact that there is going to be more than just these two pieces of equipment. We do have other pieces of equipment. We have one from Targan. It's a four mana, gives a creature plus three, plus three, makes the wear a dragon um, and gives them uh, fury. Uh, we have uh, a couple of other things as well. And there's going to be more equipment that's going to come out that you're going to be able to use with your various characters. Um, so real quickly, I believe, and I can't confirm this for sure, but it looks to me as though uh, the equipment goes on at focus speed. So you're not going to be able to do it inside of combat, but you are going to be able to continue to interact after. You definitely can continue to interact. Like You can place this on somebody and trigger an attack in the same turn. So if you could throw a piece of equipment on someone and trigger an attack, that's not going to stop. I can't confirm that you can't do it in the middle of combat, but they didn't show it happening in the middle of combat. So I'm assuming that equipment goes on at focus speed. The next thing is when the thing dies or is recalled that had the equipment, that piece of equipment goes to your hand. So you will keep that piece of equipment, which you can then equip to something new by paying its cost again. So this equipment does not go away. You're not going to lose it. Um, even if you, you know, and it, it theoretically, if you, there's some darkened equipment that can come in either as a creature or as a, uh, a weapon, um, that you can equip piece of equipment you can equip to somebody. So in that case, it can die. But in most cases, if you're playing a piece of equipment, you could keep playing it on stuff, and it's going to be a continual buff that's going to just stay in your hand. Your opponent's never going to really be able to get rid of that card. Without I don't a, know how that works with obliterate. Yeah, I don't know how that works with obliterate. I don't know if you obliterate a target. Will it also destroy the equipment on it? Um, I don't know that they really address that. That might need a little bit of science to try to figure out. I'm guessing that piece of equipment is going to keep coming back to your hand because you're never really able to target the equipment because it's on a creature. Now, you cannot equip multiple things, and you cannot equip and attach. So if you were to attach something, let's say the Papercraft Dragon, you can then not also put a piece of equipment on them. Just that's, like that's attach. A good clarification. And they yeah, are... Only one thing again. And I'm not sure if this will be the only one, but they are printing for some regions. They are printing equipment removal. They just released one today called Silence and Suppress. That is a one mana slow spell for Demacia that says destroy units equipment. And if it's a follower, silence it. So you are in certain ways going to be able to target equipment. Whether that is going to be the only piece of removal, I doubt it. Uh, probably for not. We'll probably see some like landmarks where you're going to get some in each faction. Yeah, uh, so equipment equipment seems good. 
Um, I what I maybe one of the questions that I'm wondering, and I don't know if you've seen this in a gameplay, is so for example, canes. So not not all equipment has to be played. Some equipment comes as what it's called auto equip. Uh, when you play a unit, they come down with, um, they come down with equipment auto equipped to them automatically. Mm-hmm. If you kill a unit that had something auto equipped to it, or recall a unit that had something auto equipped to it. Um, does that piece of equipment also come back to your hand? And then if you play another copy of that card that has the auto equip mm-hmm. with the equipment, do you ha- now have a second copy? So you'd have to watch the video in depth, but I actually think that is how that happens. So for example, when Kane comes down, he's auto equipped with the dark inside. And then when he levels, he recalls. But when he recalls, from what I remember from the video, the Dark Scythe unequips and goes into your hand, and then you play him at zero mana, and he equips either the Corrupted Scythe or the Shadow Scythe, leaving a copy of the Dark Scythe in your hand that can then, uh, then you can then give it to somebody else. And that Dark Scythe could now have multiple points of attack on it because it's actually granting the Dark Scythe attack i don't know if the grant disappears when it goes back to hand and you have to reestablish it or not we didn't get it didn't get into that far i'm not sure how equipment sort of carries its granted buffs specifically these scythes but from what i could tell gibby yes when you recall kane you'll actually get a darkened scythe in hand that you can then equip to something else because he's going to come into play with the corrupted scythe or shadow scythe and you can't equip more than one thing to somebody so uh, yeah, it looks like, you know, you're getting that free Dark Insight in hand whenever you recall your cane just by leveling him up. And in the same way, if you play something else that auto-equips something, that thing gets killed or recalled, you're going to get the piece of equipment off of them that's going to come back to your hand as well. well hot Which dang, makes that's... equipment even more potent, especially the auto-equip guys that you don't have to pay to get them equipped initially. Like, that's right. pretty pretty strong. Yeah, I mean, even kill and resummon effects and stuff like that are just going to put more equipment in your hand so you can just start buffing everything, which is going to be uh, pretty great for for decks that say, when I target a unit, grant this benefit. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think there's I think there's some cool stuff that can be done with it. I think that they put limitations on it such that it is not going to be overwhelming is my thought. Um, only because I'm thinking for me, um, what can't be the things that I'm thinking won't be overwhelming specifically are the fact that you can't equip multiple things. You can't equip and attach. There are some things that they put that are intentional limitations. Uh, the other limitation is if a piece of equipment is returned to your hand because the thing that was on got killed or recalled, you cannot then play it again that round. You have to wait until the next round to play it. So that way you can't just keep putting out the same piece of equipment three or four times in a round. You can only put it out once each round. Yeah. So they're, they're doing that's this, interesting as well. They're doing this to eliminate the lease in problem again. Yeah, I think so. I think they're doing it just to say, hey, there are some there are some limitations on this, which I think is a uh, a good thing. I think that's a good thing. Not a bad thing at all. I'm nope. really appreciative of that. I think that's a healthy place to be. Absolutely. Well, yeah, we've got new cards that are coming out every day. Um, they've been revealing some of the Darken package, especially with Kane and, and his stuff. We're starting to get some more um, support cards uh, for some of these cultists. I would imagine maybe our next maybe our next uh, champion reveal is going to be cultist, a, a, different, a different cultist. I'm not a League of Legends player, so there have been theories that have been passing around about what uh, different champions are going to be dropping into the game uh, that they know of from the League of Legends pool based on kind of the theme and maybe 
similarities to what also would kind of work in other regions, similar to Kane, um, because Kane is a, re- a Runeterra champion. So I think it is plausible that we will see, you know, maybe the rest of them will either see maybe one more Runeterra champion and then the rest will be kind of faction-based or maybe we'll see a um, three three more or four more. If it is five champions, faction-based uh, champions. So I'm excited to see what they come out with. I'm sure we'll have more data on that in the coming days. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, we're going to wrap this episode up uh, and uh, and and work our way through. So uh, we're going to wrap this episode up by uh, by me giving a couple of quick closing thoughts, which honestly we haven't done in a while. And I thought I was already perfect. Um, but uh, I'm excited to do it because I we haven't we haven't recorded a ton recently. So my closing thoughts is the section of the podcast where I try to give a couple of things, maybe some wisdom to live by, more than just uh, how to game better, but how to live better as well. My closing thought for this week is I've been I've been uh, I've been really considering this idea of asking yourself why why do I do things? Why did I feel that way? Why did I act that way? Why do I want to do this? Why do I not want to do that? And asking yourself why questions. A lot of times in life, we ask why questions of other people. Why did they do that? Why do they act that way? Why do they think like that? Why would they say that thing? But I think it's healthier to ask internal why questions and really take the inward walk and learn what makes us tick, what makes us think the way that we do, what makes us ask ask the questions that we ask and get the answers that we get. Because if you're not asking yourself why, you will inevitably become less and less self-aware. And self-awareness, I think, is probably, if not one of, maybe the most marketable skill right now. Um, If you are a self-aware individual with decent emotional intelligence, you can go a great deal of places. It doesn't really matter what skill set you have if you suck to work with. And so um, I think that the ability to ask yourself why, and I've been learning this a little bit myself, just you know, really going through uh, like, okay, I'm, I'm doing this in life right now, or I, I'm feeling this way. Wait, hold up. Why am I feeling this way? I'm feeling defeated. I'm feeling maybe frustrated. Maybe I'm feeling like a little uh, beat up. I'm feeling a little exhausted. Do I have any genuine reason to actually feel that way? Or am I just feeling that way? And what is the, what is the reason behind it? And if the reason behind it's legitimate, what do I do about that? If it's not legitimate, okay, it's not legitimate. I need to feel a different way um, or I need to think a different way. And so I just think there's a lot of power in going throughout your life, having reflective moments and asking yourself just personally, why? Why do I feel the way that I feel? Why am I doing the things that I'm doing? I just think it's really important. So that's my closing thought. Ask yourself why, why you do the things that you do more often. This is also a reflection because my five-year-old asks the question, why? to like 65,000 things a day. So mm. I'm very, uh, I, I get a lot of, I get that question quite a bit. right? But now. is your five-year-old asking herself why 65,000 times a day? She's probably not. Hopefully one day she will ask herself why more often she asks me why right now. It's just basically asking me and her mother, uh, my wife, why, you know, so. <laughs> and then she'll ask herself, why do I ask the question why so much? And then it'll, this is just going to go down a rabbit hole. Uh, yes. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> well, listen, I think that's going to end this episode. We recorded a lot. It's the middle of the day and Gibby has to get back to work uh, probably 15 minutes ago. So uh, why don't we wrap up this episode? Thank you guys for tuning in and listening. Come and join us in Discord. Support us on Patreon if you're enjoying the content that we're making. Let us know what you're thinking about the new cards coming out. And hopefully Gibby and I will get a chance to get another episode out uh, You know, in the next week or so before uh, the patch finally hits or right after the patch hits. 
Thanks so much for tuning in. We appreciate you. As always, be sure to come back again next episode. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legendscast.